0: Welcome to the Prophecy Club. We're going to continue talking about the chronological order of Revelation. Specifically, we're trying to answer the question, which is actually one of the biggest misunderstandings in all of Revelation. We're trying to answer the question, the difference between the judgment seat of Christ and the great white throne. But as I said yesterday in the program, I can't get into some of the higher and the more finer things of prophecy, until you understand some of the basics. If you don't understand the feasts, then I'm just talking to the wind. You would not get it. So here's what I'm going to do. Yesterday, and, and it's very important if you're listening to this, it's very important that you go to the video. You really need to watch the video, which is why I'm going to the trouble to make a video today, so that you can understand the feasts. Because when you understand the basics of the feasts, I'm not saying you even have to keep them. But when you understand them, then from there, I can spring into all kinds of things that heretofore I have not been able to bring to you because I didn't see how I could explain it all in 30 minutes. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to do a brief overview of the feasts again today. I'm going to go back through the same slides, only much quicker as a little refresher. Then we're going to get into a little bit more of the uh, prophecies as it relates to the feasts. And I may have to do that for a day or two, but then again, eventually we're heading to help you to understand the difference between the judgment seat of Christ and the great white throne, which is real important. Okay, so chronological order of Revelation. First, I need to make a point is the book of Revelation is not written in chronological order. If you want to understand it, you must have the book Secrets to Understand Understand Bible Prophets. I can't remember the name of my book. Now, as you look at this chart along the bottom, it has the seven feasts. Here we see Passover, Unleavened Bread, two. Three is Firstfruits. Fifty days later is Pentecost. About four months later is Trumpets. And then uh, ten days later is Judgment's Seat of Christ. Ours me, be the Great White Throne or Atonement. Five days later is Tabernacles. Now, I'm not going to tie into the prophecies today. However, the top part is the prophecies tied into that. And that is the correct chronological order, but it takes a while to explain that. So let's go into the brief review of the feasts. Okay, first of all, Passover, this was when Moses uh, put the blood on the doorpost, the death angel passed over, except for those people that didn't have the blood on the doorpost, killed all of the firstborn, and that's also the day that Jesus was buried before sunset, and that's, he was our Passover lamb. Second point is unleavened bread. So for the next three days, Jesus is in the heart of the earth. And for the next three days, see, I'm comparing Jesus to Moses because they repeat each year. So the, the first, the first play of them was when Moses and the children of Israel went three days heading down to the, uh, uh the Red Sea. And it also plays again when Jesus is in three days in the heart of the earth. Three days, three nights, three days, three days, three nights—maybe a better way to say it. First fruits was when they crossed through the Red Sea. First fruits was also the day that Jesus came out of the grave. The thing you need to remember here is they wave a sheaf of barley. Barley represents Jews. Remember that—that's very important. Barley Jews, barley Jews, get that down. Barley Jews, and in a sheaf is about a handful. And they were not allowed to put leaven in it. They just put a little oil, so it makes just kind of a large-looking cookie, which they bake. And that symbolizes not very many people. It symbolizes Jews. Fifty days later is Pentecost. The first play, all they did, as you see here in the scriptures, uh, they fifty days later they had two two loaves of bread. Uh, they have two-tenth deals of flour, which is about uh, a two-liter bottle of flour. See, it takes a little, a little while to explain this. But if if you can get this, then I can show you so many more things in the prophecies I haven't been able to bring to you before. So two, two-liter 2 bottles of fine wheat flour. and this, they're allowed to add leaven. That's very important. That turns into, when you add a little bit of leaven and a little bit of oil, that turns into two large loaves of bread, probably the size of a a medium to a large size watermelon, large. And that represents the Christians and the Jews. That's the reason there's two loaves. Then uh, it, now also it's important to notice that they were commanded not to uh, make a clean riddance of all the corners of the field, meaning some of the wheat is never harvested. Let me say it again. Some of the wheat is never har- harvested. I'm going to show you that that represents the nations. And they were given to the poor and the stranger. And that represents the nations that are basically bandits. Okay, let's go on though. Then of course the parable of the wheat and the tares. If you'll notice the tares on the right look very similar to the wheat, which is the parable parable that you can't tell the difference until we get to the harvest. And then Matthew 13 30 gave you first the tares. We don't want the tares. They make the wheat bitter, the the bread bitter, they ruined the bread. And gather you first the, the tares, bind them in bundles, cast them into the fire, then gather my wheat into the barn. Then the about four months later is trumpets. That's an offering by fire. All they do on there is offer an offering by fire and blow trumpets. That's very important. Pentecost and trumpets are primarily not related to the Jews. Passover unleavened bread and first fruits are related to the Jews. Pentecost trumpets are primarily Gentiles. That's where they're directed to Gentiles. Now let's go on to the next one. Then about 10 days later is the Day of Atonement. This is almost entirely a Jewish thing that they do. They're told here to uh, to afflict themselves and to basically to repent. It's a day of repentance. And it's a day where they atone. If you did this bad, then this bad happens to you. So it's a day of balancing our sins along with punishment. And then finally, it is booths. This is Uh, five days later, and this represents the children of Israel living in the desert, so they're commanded to go out and take branches and palm trees and make kind of like a little lean-to, or make a little pup tent, you might say, and to live in it for seven days. Now, that's the background. That's the feasts. Now, let's get to where I want to go. And this, again, just the the basics here. I'm going to start tying the prophecies to the feasts, and I'm going to try to get through this today. I might not. Anyway, Again, if you're, you're listening to this, please go to the video version. You need to see this to understand it. Okay, so first let me talk about the secret door. Leviticus 23.10 has the word first fruits. Speak unto the children of Israel, saying to them, When you come into the land which is given to you, you shall reap the harvest thereof, and you shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits. That's the barley harvest. Of your harvest into the priests. That is Jews. Then Revelation 14.4. These are they which were not defiled with women for their virgins, the 144,000. These are they which follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. These were redeemed from among men, being the firstfruits unto God and to the Lamb. In a vision, he showed me, uh, on the left was the, the book of the Torah, or the five books of Moses. On the right was the book of Revelation. And then between it, it was like, it was like a, a yellow stick of butter. This is pretty close to what it looked like. Yellow stick of butter except for it wasn't butter. It was like a time tunnel, and he was showing me that the word firstfruits links the five books of Moses, or the Torah, links them to the prophecies of Revelation, and it links it through this word. That is the secret door. That is the key to understand Revelation. You want to understand Revelation because it's not written in chronological order. You have to understand that word because when you understand this, Then from there, all of the other prophecies can be put in correct chronological order. Very, very, very important. Now I'll show you. So if you look over here, you see first fruits. First fruits was a sheaf of barley. So it represents Jews. Over here, these were redeemed from among men, being the first fruits unto God. So once again, excuse me, once again, it is Jews. And it represents the hundred and forty-four thousand. And you remember the sacrifice here, you do remember that it was a male lamb of the first year. Male lamb of the first year. All right, now, I'm going to tie this together here. So let's go to Leviticus 23, and let me show you the scripture here where it says, they wave a sheaf, remember that's only a little handful, a he-lamb without blemish of the first year. And the first fulfillment was literally a he-lamb of the first year, literally waving a handful of barley, that was cooked into the size of a cookie. And that's the literal first fulfillment. However, in the last day's fulfillment, it's going to be the 144,000. This is, again, the secret door. This is over here with the first fruits. This is the first yearly harvest uh, of barley. Now, the last fulfillment is Revelation 14, 4. It says, and I looked and lo a lamb, a lamb. Who is that? Well, that's Jesus. See, because all of my life, all of my teachings on prophecy, I'd heard everybody say, Oh, well, Jesus, he's going to come back to the Mount of Olives. They're going to split in two. He's going to put his foot down the Mount of Olives, all this sort of stuff. Well, that's true. But that doesn't happen on first fruits, that happens on trumpets. First fruits, this is the fulfillment of this. I looked and lo, a lamb stood upon the Mount Zion. Wait a minute. Jesus is supposed to return to the Mount of Olives. Uh, he does, but not until trumpets. See, Mount of Olives, when he returns as king of kings, here, he's still a lamb. Here is when uh, he resurrects 144,000 Jews. How do you know that, Stan? Well, let's look at it here. Let's look at the chart. Okay, so Jesus, Jesus came out of the ground on first fruits. When he came out of the ground, there was also some other people that came out of the ground on that same day and walked around the city and said they were seeing all of the city of Jerusalem. Well, once again, when he returns the next time, here as the Lamb of God, and he will be, I believe, in the same Lamb body, probably in the same clothes. Why? Because Acts one eleven said, You men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you've seen him go into heaven. He left in a Lamb body where he had just had fish with the disciples. He just let Thomas Feel his hands, his his nail scars and the the sword wound in his in his body. If you'll also look here in in my chart here, I explained this is some 50 days later to the next one. But right now let's concentrate on the barley harvest. It's one hundred and forty four thousand one year old Israeli boys resurrected to mature bodies. They have no guile in their mouth. They're without fault before the throne of God. Okay, so again, Acts one eleven says, "You men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven?" The same Jesus, which is taken from you into heaven, shall, come, shall, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Meaning that probably, if we know the truth of it, probably when Jesus comes back down, in Revelation fourteen one, upon the Mount Zion with the hundred and forty four thousand, probably he will come in the same clothes, probably the same body because he's not going to be in the lion of the tribe of Judah body. He's still going to be the lamb of the tribe, uh, of the lamb of God. He is going to, he's not going to be the king of kings and lord of lords. Yet, that doesn't happen till the marriage supper of the lamb, which we'll get to in a minute. Instead, he is still the prince of the kings of the earth. In other words, he has not been to the coronation. He has not been crowned yet. He is still a lamb at this point. That's the whole point of Acts 11. So, on first fruits. This is really important. In other words, at this point, we're about seven months away from Jesus returning. So try to get this picture. The two, the two witnesses have been walking up down the streets of Jerusalem at this point for about three years. <clears throat> and as the beast and the false prophet are in the Holy of Holies, the two witnesses, which would be Moses. Get my book, Secret Door to Understand Bible Prophecy. i explain all this to you. Moses and then John Revelator will be the two witnesses. They're walking up down the streets of Jerusalem. And everything that the beast and the false prophet do, the two witnesses outdo them until their witness or their testimony is completed. Then the beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them, shall overcome them, shall kill them, and their dead body shall lie on the street of the great city three and a half days. All right, no, let's go back to first fruits. So, first fruits. On first fruits time stopped here. This is when Jesus came out of the grave. So prophetic time stopped. Then you insert about 2,000 years. I say about 2,000 years because I know we try to make it exactly 2,000 years to try to figure out when Jesus returns, but truth is we just we can't. We just don't know. So about 2,000 years, and then time starts again on this first fruits. Once again, when Jesus returns and resurrects the 144,000. This is the barley harvest. This is the final fulfillment of the barley harvest. 144,000 one year old Israeli boys. How do we know that they're one year old? Because the Bible says, let's see if I have it right back here. Yeah, here you go. Okay, so it says uh, a he lamb without blemish of the first year. So these all have to be he lambs of the first year. And it also says here, it says, these are they which are not defiled with women, for they are virgins. Well, they're in their first year. They're obviously virgins. These are they which follow the lamb whithersoever he goeth. Now, I don't know where the lamb is going to walk, but they're probably going to be doing whatever he directs them to do. So they're following Jesus. That may be literally following him as he walks along or as he flies along, or whatever he wants to do. It also may be that he is directing them to go across the face of the earth and do several things. let's go on though these were redeemed from among men being the first fruits under the God of the Lamb. Now, what does that mean? That means that these were the first fruits of the harvest. Look over here, see Jesus according to the scripture was the he was the resurrection of them that slept. That's different, whereas these are the first fruits of the final harvest or the first fruits. Uh, to God and to the Lamb, meaning these are the first ones to get their glorified body as part of the final harvest. Now, let me also explain that because, uh, oh, let me see if I can jump back here. I kind of got a, man, I don't know if it's so hard to jump back there. I I will get to that. But these are the, the first, the first resurrection. Blessed and holy are they that hath part in the first resurrection and such the second death hath no power. The first resurrection includes the people that came out of the graves when Jesus came out of the graves after three days in the heart of the earth. It also includes these people. And if there was any people resurrected before them, it all includes them. And then 50 days later is going to be the uh, the Pentecost, which I'll explain in a minute. But let me finish explaining this. So this is the barley harvest. 144,000 one-year-old Israeli boys resurrected to mature bodies. And it goes on to say, being the first fruits unto God and unto the Lamb, and in their mouth is found no guile, for they are without fault before the throne of God. Now, how does it, can it be that someone has no guile in their mouth? In other words, there's never been anything, anything but holiness come out of their mouths because they're, again, one year old. That's the reason they're virgins. That's the reason nothing, no guile has come out of their mouth because they never learned to talk. All right. So go back to this 144,000. At this point, Jesus is still the Lamb of God, its first fruits. This is the midnight cry. The Bible says, at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Why does it say at midnight? Because he says he comes as a thief in the night. Yes, he comes as a thief in the night on trumpets, and at this time he also comes as a thief in the night on midnight. And this is, why is it, behold, there was a cry made? Because this is... Absolutely, positively proof that this is the year Jesus will return, not as Lamb of God, but he'll return as King of kings and Lord of lords. And at this point, about seven months later, we'll get to that. You'll see that. But let me get this down here. Now, it also goes in to say something very important. He says, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. It didn't say, Behold, the bridegroom has arrived. Why? Because he's not the bridegroom yet. He doesn't become the bridegroom until he goes to the marriage supper. The marriage supper is not till Pentecost, which is another 50 days from this point. That's the reason it says. So at this point, he has not been to the marriage supper of the Lamb. He is not King of kings and Lord of lords. He is the Lamb of God. That's why it says the bridegroom cometh. Now, why does it say, go yet to meet him? Because, you see, the, the pre want to say, yeah, well, we will meet Jesus in the clouds. It didn't say that. It says, go ye out to meet him. Meaning, if we are living in Jerusalem at this point, if we are living and alive in Jerusalem, and there will be some at this point, the remnant, which are not the ones that obeyed Jesus, which we'll get to that too. If we're part of the remnant, we're living in in, in Jerusalem at this point, we could actually walk up to Mount Zion, because Mount Zion is about a 30-minute walk over to the Mount of Olives. We could actually walk up to Mount Zion, I believe, and we could actually meet Jesus. He's not in his King of Kings and Lord of Lords body. He is still the Lamb of God. He is still, he is yet to become the bridegroom. And that's the reason it says, go yet to meet him. It's the only way all of the prophecies fit together. It's the only way. Believe me, I mean, I had revelations, but also did my studies on this. Let's go on though. But these were redeemed from among men, being the first fruits unto God and to the Lamb. Revelation 14, 4. So all of this happens on first fruits. This next first fruits, which, you know, it, it could be also that the first seal will open on first fruits. And I saw when the lamb opened one of the seals and I heard as it were the noise of thunder. What's the noise of thunder sound like? Well, to John the Revelator, uh, 2,000 years ago, it sounded like thunder. But Ken Peter said what he heard was sound like a 1970s car horn. He said it was three varies very, very, very loud And every ear on earth heard it. And at that time, the graves burst open as if they had an explosive device in the coffin. He said he literally saw dirt fly. He saw the people standing around the open gravesite. And he said they were all wearing these like white choir robes. They had a big cloak on. He said he did not see them fly up into the air. He said they simply vanished. And at that time, he also said that all the electronics went off. So could it be? that the resurrection power of God hitting the earth resurrecting all of these people also shut down all the electronics for a couple of weeks he said after they came back on everything was different so it may be i don't know but it may be that jesus will open the first seal on another first fruits why because jesus came out of the ground on first fruits And there were people resurrected on that day. It may be that once again, he returns on first fruits with 144,000, which we do know. And it may be on that day that that 144,000 are resurrected. And by the way, there's nothing saying that. Yeah, actually, let me let me skip that. Okay, so there's 144,000 one year old Jewish boys all resurrected. Now, that's what happens on first fruits. Those are the first fruits of the final harvest. Now let's go to the next point. Now we're going to go back and look at what the Bible says, refresh our memory, about Pentecost. You remember this is, you're the number 50 days, and then they have two wave loaves Here, uh, back over here, this is only one sheaf, just a handful of, of barley. Barley means Jew, okay? Over here, however, this is the wheat harvest. Now we know that In the parable of the wheat and the tares, the wheat is saying those people that believe in Jesus. So these people, very important, these people believe in Jesus. So it has two wave loaves, two tenth deals of flour. Remember I said two two liter bottles of like wheat flour. But this, this is the key important part. Here it says bacon with leaven. Well, how do you get into heaven? See, leaven is a picture of sin. So how do we get into heaven with leaven, with sin? Well, there's only way. Who are these? What are these red white robes? Whence came they? And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. These are they which came out of great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore are they before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. Meaning, they got into heaven because they were washed in the blood of the Lamb. See over here at First fruits. No, no, no. They got into heaven because they're without fault before the throne of God. Why? Because they're one year old. Nobody gets into heaven with any sin. You see, it's back to the the tares and the wheat. You want to first gather all of the tares, bind them in bundles, make certain you don't get one seed of those tares in your wheat flour or it makes your your bread bitter. Gather you first the tares. That's the reason the pre-trib rapture is just, it's not even close. They don't even understand. But because they don't understand this, and because of other things, which I'm writing a book on that to explain it. Okay, so back to this. So there's two lows about the size of a medium to large watermelon. That symbolizes that a lot more people are going to get into heaven through the blood of Jesus than through doing no sin, through the dying in the first year and being chosen to be one of the 144,000. However, next thing to notice, very important. This is where a lot of people miss it. They read past because they don't understand it. They just read past it. Now, I do that sometimes too, but that sometimes gets us in trouble. So thou shalt make a clean riddance of the corners of the fields. So this is during the time when Jesus has been introduced to the world. Not everyone is harvested. This represents the nations where it says, uh, okay, and without our, our dogs and and sorcerers, and whoremongers, and murderers, and idolaters, and whosoever loveth the make of a lie. So these are the people, the nations, that during the first thousand years are allowed to live for up to a thousand years, but if they sin, a morning star judge shows up and hits them with a the morning star, they fall to the ground a pile of ashes and bones immediately. So in conclusion, let me encourage you to do a couple of things. I've been called of God to raise up an army of prophecy teachers working miracles. And the way we're going to do that is from July 29 to August 2, here in Dallas, we're going to have the Sevenfold Miracle Crusades. And this is what we want to do. There's a lot of things we're going to do. Get you filled with the Holy Spirit, lay hands, but basically the two biggest things we want to do. I want to lay hands on you and anoint you with uh, oil. (laughs) This is yellow crude oil, so we won't put crude oil on you, but we do. (laughs) I thought I had some oil laid right there. Anyway, well, hands on you, anoint you with oil, and I'll pray that you get the revelation spirit that I got when I memorized the book of Revelation as confirmed by Andre Bronkhorst. He said, I have that gift, and I can pass it on. Leslie also will anoint you with honor oil and pray that you receive a prophetic gifting so that you can hear the voice of God. And also she's going to walk you through her school of the prophets. I'm going to teach you how to understand Bible prophecy in the two prophecy charts. Why? Because when the trouble hits, there's going to be a lot of people that are looking for answers and God is going to send them to you. And you want to be able to give them an answer about prophecy. You want to be able to walk in sevenfold miracles because a great time <clears throat> like mankind has never seen, is about to come upon the earth. That happens at the Sevenfold Miracle Crusades. Go to sevenfoldmiraclecrusades.com and get signed up. And by the way, when you get signed up, please stay at the Hyatt. It helps us to form the crusade. So that you probably don't have time to go other places. Anyway, and also get the meal package. It's a good deal. It's a good deal. It helps us put the thing together. Also, <clears throat> if you are thinking about getting some kind of precious metals, gold, silver, platinum, rhodium, whatever it might be, this guy is a prophecy student. Cornerstone Asset Metals, Terry Saka, and he, he wants to get the word out. So what better place to be able to get your precious metals than cornerstoneassetmetals.com. Tell them Prophecy Club sent you. Also, <clears throat> let me ask you two questions. What would you do if you had to tell someone the most important question, important information in the world, but you knew they wouldn't believe you? Well, if you're listening right now, probably you'd say, I'll tell them anyway. Okay, that brings us to the second question. What is the most important information in the world? Well, the most important information to do is to accept Jesus. The most important thing not to do is do not take the mark of the beast. Absolutely, positively, do not take the mark of the beast if you take the mark of the beast, you cannot repent of it. So let me explain. There's actually four things we do not want to do. We do not want to worship the beast or his image. If you look over to the left, in other words, we do not bend the knee. We do not worship the beast or his image. And then there's three stamps that we can take. We do not take the mark. We do not take the name of the beast or the number of his name. Do not do any of those. If you do that, There's three groups of people when everything's said and done. The first group of people are those people whose name is in the book of life. They go to heaven. Eternity. Second, if their name is not in the book of life, they're tossed into the lake of fire and brimstone and they get soul death. They will be as though they had not been. The third group of people are those people who take the mark. And this is the scriptures where it's talking about it. And the smoke of their torment ascendeth up day and night and they have no rest day or night who worship the beast or his image, or whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. So you do not want to take the mark of the beast. But then there's nine deceptions that the devil is about to bring on the world. And in this book, Miss the Mark, I explain those deceptions. See, he's not coming after the Muslims. He's not coming after the Buddhists. He's not coming after the Satanists. He's, He's coming after us. He's coming after those people that have read Revelation 13 we are the number one enemy. The Bible says if it were possible, it would deceive even the very elect. But what I suggest you do is you get this book, and the first thing you do is read it. It's a simple book. It'll take you about three hours to read it. Not bad at all. But then when you read this, this is what people are saying, they get motivated. They go out and hand it out. So how do you get someone to read it? I suggest you ask them the two questions. What would you do if you had to tell someone the most important information in the world? And what is the most important information in the world? And hand them this book. Oh, they may not read it right then, but it's okay. Because down the road, you still handed it to them. At some point, you'll be able to talk to them or be able to hand them that book. That's extremely important. You get that at prophecyclub.com. One for $20, but don't do that. We offer them in shrink wrap sets of 10. One set of 10, 30. Two sets of 10, 45. Four sets for $40. This is what we believe is the mark of the beast, either yellow one or red one or either one. We're not certain of the colors, but we now have three people that confirm that this is what it looks like. Ken Peters and Astonia Lewis I played her on the radio last week. And there's another guy, Adam uh, Andrew Harris, that also says, and he sent me a signed piece of paper, draw it out what he saw. And this is what he saw, too. So we've actually got three people saying that's what the mark of the beast looks like. This is what it looks like on the hand or the forehead. This is what it looks like if it's the number of the beast. The number of the beast looks like a swirl, and that means 666. Next thing is, back in about 2017, I memorized the book of Revelation, and I started getting revelations. I got 30 revelations and two visions and an audible voice, which I put in the book. One of the visions showed me <clears throat> that there is a secret door that links the feasts of Leviticus 23 to the prophecies of Revelation 14, 4. Specifically, the prophecies of Revelation. But the word is first fruits. And when you link those two together for the first time, you can put the prophecies in Revelation in correct chronological order. See, so they're they're not written in chronological order. So this is actually, this book is the key understanding the prophecies of Revelation. That's why the name is The Secret Door to Understand Bible Prophecy. If you want to understand Bible prophecy, this book is a must. Not complicated, but it is deep. One prophetic word said it this way. There's a lockup put over a word of the book of Revelation that I'm going to open to you. And it will turn many books written on the end time message into obsolete books. That's this book. Now one for twenty, but don't do that either. Five for thirty, ten for fifty-five, you get a case for of sixty for two hundred and fifty dollars. Get the books at ProphecyClub.com. Now, if you want to go to heaven, here's the way you get there. John three sixteen says you can have everlasting life. Romans three twenty-three says we've all sinned. Ephesians two eight nine, so it says it's a grace or it is by grace or a free get, gift to get eternal life. And then we need to confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus rose from the dead. Pray with me and I'll see you in heaven. Dear Heavenly Father, I admit I'm a sinner and I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that Jesus is the Christ. Died on the cross, rose three days later. His blood washes me and my sins away, writes my name in the book of life and keeps me holy and saves me in the day of trouble. In Jesus' name, amen. Send us a note and let us know that you just prayed that. Ask Stan at prophecyclub.com.